0: Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Martin Willis, your host, and we have an interesting show tonight. Uh, Alejandro is out in Las Vegas. He's at the NAB show, the National Broadcaster or something, American Broadcaster? Association. Oh, hey, yeah. that, that was Lee in the background, and Lee <laughs> um, Lee is going to be helping out uh, with, with UFO updates. And, uh, you know, dang it, I might just fire that Alejandro. I like Lee so much. So, anyway, Lee's helping out with that. Uh, I want to thank everyone that supports the show. Anyone can help us out uh, for $2 or more a month. If you can't, you can listen to the full show live, uh, always on Wednesday night at 8, t- 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also listen over at the Dark Matter Digital Network, and that's every Thursday, and that's 10 to midnight, and that's also Eastern Standard Time as well. And, uh, anyway, um, I guess we're just going to roll right into it. And uh, I can't think of anything, anything else to say except hello, Lee.
1: Hello, Martin. I, I, I'm so glad to be here. What I was trying to say before that NAB you mentioned is uh, means the, the National Association of Broadcasters because I used to go to the NAB conventions when I was in the radio world. Ah And, yeah. and there's a lot of really good things that happen there. I can understand why... Alejandro's there. He's probably trying to drum up some business for Open Minds.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And he said it's really fun to look at all the gadgets and every everything oh, there. Oh yeah, so, yeah. Uh, it's supposed to be pretty spectacular, from what I understand. And yeah. can you imagine the technology today compared to the probably the last time you went? It must be really oh. different.
1: Oh, oh, of course. It's leaps and bounds. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine. It's it's like a candy store for people like you and me.
0: Right, right. So, you know, we're going to, just to let the live um, listener know on YouTube, you can see that we have a, uh, there's a flickering going on on uh, Lee's side of the screen. We're not sure. uh, This has to do, I guess, with uh, my latest Mac update is the only thing that's changed. So there may be some type of conflicting problem with the software. So bear with us on that. This audio should be just fine. Um, So, um, anyway, Lee... uh, you are working with James Fox, and someone just wrote me last week, and they said, when is 701 coming out? It's not called 701 anymore. Is there a working so, title now for that
1: yet? Yeah, there, there is a working title, and, and it is now called UFOs, What We Now Know. Ah. Uh, it was called 701 based on the number of unknowns that were left over from the, uh, the Air Force's Project Blue Book days. They had more than 12,000 reports that they had looked at uh, the Air Force over a 20, 20 year period. And of those 12,000 plus, there were 701 left over that were just considered unknown, unidentified, unexplained. Okay. And, and so when, when James started working on this documentary, the working title was going to be 701. Uh, but we've, it's gone through some changes. I've come on board and, and as a co-producer w- with, uh, with James, and I'm happy to say that uh, this is going to be a different kind of documentary, that uh, people are going to really go, wow, I didn't know that, or wow, show me that again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I know uh, that uh, um, you've got a really good budget, and if any listeners out there have ever watched Out of the Blue, or I Know What I Saw, uh, those are just, those are my two favorite, and they're, you know, there's a couple of the, uh, crossovers between the two, but um, absolutely fantastic, and this one is going to top that by far, which is uh, really exciting, I can't wait till that comes out.
1: Well, Anita can I, and I'm involved with it, uh, this is going to be the, 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 uh, the third installment of James's uh, UFO Trilogy, and it, it's going to, there are going to be things in this, many things that will take the breath away of both believers and skeptics, we think, because we're really going for total integrity, total credibility, um, which is not something you get in a lot of uh, filmed productions these days or in recent years. And I'm on board because if, if, if James and I hadn't come to an agreement that this is how we're going to put this thing together, uh, I don't think either one of us would have wanted to start it in the first place. Yeah. Uh, Can you give us pre- any
0: type of teasers of any, any part of it?
1: I, I will give you a, a one teaser that um, the opening sequence of the film is, is going to make everybody crazy. Every time I look at it, and, and I already know what it looks like, I go crazy looking at it. It, and, and all that I will say is that it involves a real, very close encounter and pursuit of a UFO going back to the 1950s. Uh, it was a, it was a real event, and and how how we've come to put this thing together will will blow you away. It, it blows me away every time I look at it, and it's it sets the tone. For the rest of the movie, and that's why we're doing it as the the very opening sequence of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. You told me the details about that. Uh, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so, uh, do you have anything we can talk about in the way of uh, UFO events, recent events?
1: You know, there, there was there was something that caught my eye. Um, it was an incident that took place uh, over Southern Arizona uh, near the end of February. And it was in the middle of the afternoon, and, and it involved pilots uh, in two separate aircraft uh, who reported seeing a mysterious flying object above their planes. The uh, the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, released a flight recording uh, to the public, and, and in this recording, uh, one pilot who was with the Phoenix Air Group was at the controls of a Lear jet, and he was at 37,000 feet, uh, and he asked uh, an air traffic controller if they had just tracked anyone above them uh, about 30 seconds ago. And the response from the official at the uh, the FAA's Albuquerque Center was simply, quote, negative, you know, like you might expect them to say. And then the pilot then said, okay, but something did, <laughs> end quote, like something did, you know, show up here. Then, um, just a few minutes later, uh, an an American Airlines pilot reported seeing the same unexplained object passing right over the top of their jet at about 40,000 feet uh, above the uh, the Arizona Sonoran Desert, and the pilot said that the object uh, had a big reflection, and it was going in the opposite direction of the jet. Now, while, while there's been no uh, immediate follow-up about this event, because really, when something like that happens and something goes so fast, either approaching your jet, going above it, going to the side, and if it's not captured or imaged by radar, it's, it's hard to, to tell exactly what this was. Um, but what, what it does, in my mind, it, it brings up the, uh, the, the the always possible uh, discussion about well, just how safe, are the friendly skies, mm-hmm. you, you know, and, and not, not just for, for passengers, but f- whether for commercial airliners, for military jet fighter pilots, um, and in, in this case, the FAA said that they had not been aware of any kind of military activity or weather balloons in the air at that time. So, so even though we don't know what it was, it doesn't sound like the planet Venus, especially if it was going in the opposite direction, you know? Yeah, and,
0: I, and, and I know there's, I, there's some great audio on that. Uh, I think I had that yeah. at some point, but I don't have it right now. But, um, yeah, they, they're they definitely talking about something going on there. And, and uh, uh, the audio, by the way, you, you probably already know this, but it was... Uh, it was released by the FAA on that in particular, which is very uh, yeah. unusual.
1: Yeah, I think that's really interesting, especially coming on the heels of, uh, of the Pentagon yeah. release of those first two uh, jet fighter pilot films um, that came out in the middle of December. Uh, that, and that made such a big splash. It actually it went viral instantly. I mean, everybody in the news industry was talking about it, showing the films over and over again and And part of the big discussion about that was, well why why is the Pentagon releasing this kind of information? You would think that the government or the military would not want to suddenly acknowledge that we had UFOs on film uh, that that's It wasn't just so much that the that the uh, the New York Times broke the story in and of itself. I believe that was the first time in the history of the New York Times that they released a front page story about UFOs. So th- there were like all, all different kinds of firsts about this. But like you just said, uh, the fact that the FAA released this, this recording, they didn't have to. They, they, they were going to gain nothing by it except for further discussion, more controversy, more questions. What, like what's going on? What's happening in the skies above our planet? Why are you telling us that there may be something up there that we can't we can't stop. We can't catch. We can't outmaneuver. Why are you letting us know instead of c- continuing to lie about it or deny it?
0: Right. Like the Air Force always had. Yeah. Uh, you know, basically because uh, who would want to admit they didn't have control over what's going on in the skies when they're supposed to protect it?
1: Y- yes. Right. Well, and, and, you know, there, there's another thing you and I have talked about before about this. This whole idea Uh, about pilots pilots in general won't report ufos and people are always asking me about that and asking why won't they talk about it well certainly it could severely limit uh their credibility uh, and threaten their very nice high-paying jobs if they were to start talking openly about this thing that 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 played tag with their aircraft while they were trying to to fly you know 300 people from one location to another and also why why would any of the major airlines want to fuel any speculation about UFOs to the public or the general media because this, this wouldn't be good for business
0: it sure wouldn't but, that you know yeah. a lot of people may not fly I mean you know I never really thought of it in that in that way but that certainly makes sense
1: um, well you know uh, and I've talked with pilots I've talked with many pilots over the years who said to me, look, I don't want to lose my job, I don't want to lose my pension, and, 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 for, and, and why, why would the American public, and again, not just the American public, Martin, it's like, why would the, the citizens of this planet want to continue uh, flying if they thought that, that there might be an, an event that could happen that could, that could affect the security of that flight? or the national security of whatever country that they're flying over at the time. There's a lot of implications here about UFOs, and I'm frankly surprised that the, the the military and the FAA would have released this kind of information. Now, there there are people who will say, well, this is all part of disclosure. Disclosure is right around the corner. Well, no. First of all, I say to people, there's already been disclosure. If you want to know some of the answers, some little, little bits of the truth about UFOs, you can find it. You've got to do some legwork, you've got to do some reading, you've got to do some research, uh, you've got to listen to more shows with people like Martin Willis, uh, who will bring people on, who will talk about the kinds of things that have shown there has already been disclosure. Now, but on the other hand, if people say, well, the truth about UFOs is right around the corner. No, I don't think so. Not in my lifetime, at least, because UFOs have been such a complex issue going way back in time, historically, that we we just don't know all the answers, and I don't think the countries of the world know all the answers about what this thing is that's flying around in our skies. Um, But countries don't want to have to admit to their citizens that this is going on, we're a little concerned about how it might affect our national security, but please, go about your daily business, go go live your daily lives, and we'll take care of you.
0: <laughs> now, there's, there's only been a handful of situations that there's a possible attribution to interference um, while someone was flying. The one that uh, you actually interviewed, uh, COIN, uh, that had to do with the military helicopter, That's one, Uh, the possible UFO uh, encounter over Australia with a young kid that was a young pilot. I can't think of the name of that one right Uh, now.
1: Valentech, who who disappeared. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's that one. And then there's just a handful of other situations um, that I can think of where there was actually interference and a heck of a lot more sightings, Um, you know, military, I mean, uh, flight sightings than there are, that there was actually interference. O'Hare was really one that should be noted as well because, you know, one of the busiest airports in the country, and uh, uh, over Gate C17, you know, everyone's seeing the uh, the object sitting there and then shooting straight up. Um, right. And I'm surprised that more uh, people have not come forward at this point and talked about seeing that. It's still
1: well. Well, I think I think one, one, one reason, Martin, is a lot of people are afraid. Um, they, they don't want they don't want people to, to, to know that they've seen UFOs they're afraid of ridicule ridicule is still a very big factor in the whole UFO world and I think you know instances like like, like what you just mentioned this this circular craft that was seen over O'Hare airport and then it, when it shot straight up in the air through the clouds it left a, a circular hole through it as, as it left and and there are other, very good cases where there have been multiple eyewitnesses of UFOs during the day at night and, and people will say well you know well, why are so many people seeing these things and why, why are the UFOs allowing themselves to be seen and uh, my answer is I think they want to be seen I think that they choose instances and cases and places um, where they, they know that they're being seen because how, how could they not know and, and then they fly away, and you know they're gone. And suddenly appears on the news, and becomes a, a point of discussion until the next time something like that happens. I, I think that whatever the agenda is of whoever's operating the projector of of this phenomenon, um, it knows what it's doing. It's being very clever, and people will say, why don't they just land on the White House lawn or in front of the Kremlin? Why should they? Why should we ask them to do something that we want them to do when it's clearly not part of of their plan, their agenda? All that we can do is just to do what you tell people to do at the end of your show. Keep watching the skies.
0: Right, right. You've actually listened all the way to the end of a show. Once in a while. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, um, so you also want to talk about a video that just came up as well, right?
1: I, Unfortunately, I, I didn't
0: have a time to load that on on the that, site. That's okay.
1: You, you you and I have talked also about the, the many UFO pictures and videos that are that are posted all the time on YouTube that look really good. Right. You know, I, I've often said that you can take like a nine and ten year old boy or girl who can sit at a computer and know how to do Photoshop, and they can create an astonishingly real UFO video and post it up there and claim that this was the real thing. We see that. All the time, yeah. and and there are many sites up there uh, that claim that they're showing the best UFO footage on Earth all the time, and and there's one that uh, that's been up there for a little while, and it shows, uh, it's a very intriguing looking video. Well, because why would they put it up there if it wasn't intriguing? It shows a very very clear clearly shows a large cigar shaped object um, looking uh, vertical, not horizontal. Um, hovering and then slowly lifting up in front of mountains over Lake Michigan. Now, I mean, it's a great-looking video. You see the lake, you see the mountains, you see this thing going up into the clouds. The problem, though, with this video, as with so many, is that there are no confirming details. Mm. Uh, Nothing's provided no names of witnesses, mm. uh, the exact location, how they happened to be at this exact location at that moment to capture this incredible, you know, miracle, uh, this amazing event on video. T- too many dubious things, but the problem is, Martin, people get sucked into this uh, mm-hmm. because they want to believe so badly that, that we're being visited, we're being visited by extraterrestrials. And I don't I don't know if we're being visited by extraterrestrials. We won't even say that or offer that up as a question in our documentary. All that we know for sure is that there's something going on and we're being visited by something.
0: Okay, so for the uh, listener that wants to check that out, since I couldn't put it up, it's if you go into YouTube and you actually type in huge UFO spotted in Michigan, USA exclamation 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 April
1: 2018 you will find that video. Yeah, and yeah. you'll find many others too. Oh yeah. Uh, and and, and, really. and you know yeah. but believe believe as much as you want, but <laughs> but don't believe everything you hear. It's very important. When I do a presentation anywhere, first thing I say to an audience is please don't believe anything I'm about to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Because what do I really know other than what I've researched over a long period of time? But I'm, but I'm lucky to have had a chance to interview a lot of very well-placed, high official uh, people in the, in the government and in the military and in science. And so I come with, to my opinion, at least with some, some working knowledge of what people out there are thinking who should be involved with the process of the investigation of it.
0: Yeah, well said. Lee, thank it's you. always a pleasure, and we'll, we'll have to have you. Uh, we actually talked a little while ago about having you come back on. Uh, always love having you on the show. So uh, sometime in May, uh, I'm booked out into May, and sometime in there, we'll look forward to having you on for a full show.
1: Thank you. Does this mean you're going to fire Alejandro and book me on?
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll have to talk about that. I, oh, so I, I, I'll, I'll pay you twice what I'm paying him. How's
1: that? Oh, now we're talking to big bucks. I'm really interested now. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. All appreciate right. it.
0: Thanks a lot. I'll talk to you okay. soon, Lee. Take care. Bye. All right. Okay, everyone. Uh, so that's it for uh, the news, the updates. And uh, it was great. Um, really appreciate Lee coming on and helping us out. So our guest, I'll tell you a little bit about him. Um, it's Mike Cleland. Um, he's an avid outdoorsman. He's an illustrator and a UFO researcher. Um, he's written extensively on alien abductions, synchronicities, and owls. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about, synchronicities and owls, quite a bit. And uh, I have a story that uh, I actually tried to get him involved in. We'll talk about that a little bit, too. Uh, that was when I was out in Arizona, and he wasn't. He was there the year before um, speaking. And uh, so I c- actually believe I called him from Arizona and told him a story that, uh, like I said, I will bring it up. Mike? Welcome to the show again. Thank you so much. Uh, good to have you back.
2: Uh, good, a, Mike. Every, Mike is live. Yes, the mic is live. You are live. And let me let, me, let yeah. me pull it down there a little bit. So. Yeah, and you, know, you fired we Alejandro. Going, what's that? You fired Alejandro.
0: <laughs> live online. Okay. <laughs> no, no, he'll be back next week. So um, anyway, we are having uh, for the person that's uh, audio is going to be great, but we're having an annoying flashing uh, situation oh. that's happening. So we'll probably pull the audio off of you, but um, the, it'll be um, video. So, Evan, if you wouldn't mind, why don't you drop the video on uh, on the Skype side? Um, so, Mike, um, for the person that did, I think it was back 2014, I believe you were on the show. Um, can you tell the uh,
2: listening audience, I think it was that far back, a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly when it was. It might have been after the book came out, but... Um... But, uh, a little bit about myself, yes, I started doing the uFO research, and so there's no image of on my face right now, right? There is an image of you, yes, but you're you're not live, okay, okay, yeah. so I can like scratch my nose and stuff like that so <laughs> um i uh I from personal experiences, starting around well, in my youth, certainly, I had personal experiences with with what sure seems like. UFO contact events, missing time, um, seeing what I feel was a close-up UFO sighting, and, um, and a few other very telling things. Uh, those were all sort of simmering in the background in my life. And then in 2006, I had an event, which I think we talked about the last time I was on the show. I'm sure we did, I, but I'll t- say it very quick. I had an event where I saw a bunch of owls with a friend camping, three owls all at once. It was at a sort of prescient moment in the conversation, so a little synchronistic moment there in the conversation. She was talking about God, and then boom, these owls appeared. Uh, Four days later, her and I went camping again. Three owls appeared at sunset, flew around us, landed near us. It was the same thing. I mean, they landed close to us. It was remarkable, and it was very... To have it happen once was pretty cool. To have it happen twice... Kind of freaked me out. So what it did for me is it made me start questioning this owl thing. You know, like I was looking up owl totems, and I was looking up owl mythology, and I was looking up owl folklore, and also in conjunction with the UFO stuff. One of the things that happened, I did not talk about it at the time. It would have been just embarrassing at my, that point in my life. I talk about it all the time now. My life has changed enormously. Um, I said to my, I heard a voice in my head basically both times seeing those owls close up landing near us, landing on trees, swooping down right above our head for hours, it felt like. Um, I had the very clear voice in my head say, this has something to do with the UFOs. And from that point on, I just started asking folks, um, hey, do you have any any odd owl experiences? And it's not 100% of people, but, but enough that there's a pattern would say, you know, No one's ever told me that. No one's ever asked that question. Yeah, I'll tell you a story about owls. And I started collecting these stories. And I put them online, and little by little, I collected a lot of them. And then I, I, so there came a point, I was posting them on my site, and I wrote a little essay, and I've since written two books. But at, at a certain point, this is even years ago, this was very clear. If you Googled UFOs, if you run down Google and Googled UFO owl, I was the first thing that came up. (laughs) <laughs> and I was also about the next twelve things that came up under that. And so anyone, if you're in, you know, New Zealand or Finland or or New Jersey and you see an owl and a UFO in conjunction with each other in some form, you will find me. And I have been trying to get back to everyone. It's impossible that I'm getting hit with so many people. But I have been collecting and archiving these stories and they've been the genesis of the two book projects, the the um, book one book came out in two thousand and fifteen, and the follow up book just came out last month, a little over a month ago.
0: So, as promised, I want to just tell the story. To I have told this story before yes, yes, on the show. Yes, yes, you do. Yes. So, uh, do you do you remember when I contacted you when I was out in Arizona?
2: Yes, you did it over email, and I think we yeah. t- then we talked about it on the show. I think I can't remember. We might have no, talked about it later. That was uh, that was after you were on my show. Okay. Yeah,
0: you were on my show prior to that. So basically, what happened was uh, I was. Uh, You know the setting over there, the beautiful uh, setting and the uh, resort. And then there's a casino. I was over at the casino walking my dog, and there was a girl outside smoking a cigarette. And she said to me, hey, what's going on over there? And I said, well, it's a UFO conference. And she goes, really? And I said, yeah. And uh, so she said, wow. She said, I should check it out. And I said, oh, you have an interest? And she goes, well, I, I had a sighting. And so I'm always excited when someone says that. So I said, please tell me about it. So basically what happened, she was she was a passenger in a car. And um, she said it was a small, small car. I don't know why she told me that, but I remember her saying uh, there is significance to that. So she said she was a passenger and they went past a, I think she called it something else, but what it really means, it's like a mesa. And they saw this big like shadow thing coming off the mesa and up through the sunroof they could see it was some type of craft so her friend just said let's get the heck out of here and s- stepped on it and she said they were going you know really really fast maybe over a hundred uh, for quite a while trying to outrun the thing and uh then she said it it just disappeared and then she was all done with her story and um and then she goes, you know the craziest thing about the whole thing? And I said, what? She goes, this huge owl just appeared after we stopped and came right down at the car. And she said, it was the biggest owl I've ever saw. <laughs> and that's when, I, that's when I contacted you. I said, wow, I love it. Because it was a, a story of someone that doesn't really, you know, they're not on the inside of a UFO field in any type of way and just had no real interest in the topic and had that experience
2: yeah, I remember you and I did a little bit of try to leg work trying to find her, and I wanted to hear that story directly, but uh, we never I never got a hold of her directly. well, I, uh, I got
0: her email address, but she never responded basically. Yeah, she's just uh, just like a lot of people are, they're afraid to talk about a situation like that.
2: Well, then the point is that, yes, it is crazy. It's absolutely absurd that there would be an owl. But the thing is it that that story is not uncommon. That is very common. Um, there's many ways to look at it, whether it's a screen memory, sort of some sort of projection. Um, that's put into their mind or it's a real owl now for me I almost find the real owl stories more interesting than the projections than the the thought of a screen memory that fact that there might be a real owl that somehow shows up Magically, I don't know. You know, how, why would the owl show up? I mean, this is not the realm of the UFO investigator anymore. This is almost the realm of the Native American medicine man, or something like that, that would know the folklore and the spirit lore of of, of the owl and why it would be seen at such a such a prescient moment. Right. Right. Um,
0: oh, by the way, just uh, just wanted to let you know, someone emailed me or sent me a message today. Uh, Donna, I know she met you. She's down from the Cape. Um, I'll listen to the show. She's been on the show before. Uh, Donna said she um, she saw an owl this morning. Next thing you know, she got my email saying that you were going to be on tonight.
2: <laughs> well, didn't that happen to you? You, you ha- and I you met in person. Yeah. Yes, you and I met in person in That's Maine right. at the Experience or yeah. Speak conference. And and I had just given away. I think I was the, one of the first presenters that morning. And then... Um, you kind of just offhandedly say, oh yeah, I saw an owl this morning. or heard no, an owl. No, like I got to a... tell you what, what happened. Uh, first of all, I
0: had no idea who the speakers were. I had no idea who you were and that you were going to talk about owls. And that night before, um, before that conference in Maine, I woke up to an owl right outside my window. And that's only happened. I mean, I've heard the owl around here, but he's never been that. He was right next to my uh, window that night. And next thing you know, we're talking about owls. But I, I swear to God, I didn't see a UFO or had it. I didn't have any type well, of... I, I, who
2: knows? Who knows? That's that's the issue, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's There's a mystery here. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So
0: um, you, you felt it necessary to uh, do, like, a, a, an additional
2: book because um, all these stories just kept piling in, right? Well, the premise of the first book was that I was trying to make an argument, and I'm not on camera. I could hold the book up and everything, but I can't do that now. Um, I, uh, was, I, I was... Trying to articulate, I was uh, so this was the first book of its kind in a way, and I knew that going into it. So I felt like you know, like I gotta, I gotta make sure I I make a forceful argument. And so the book is thick; it's all it's four hundred pages long, and there was extra stuff left over. But what happened was I, there's story after story after story documented in there, and I would I would discuss dreams, and I would dis- discuss shamanic initiation and i sort of strayed from the core ufo thing um and 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 addressed a lot of other things but it was mostly a collection of stories there's just story after story after story in that book and what i needed to do was edit them down right so i'm trying to make a point and i'm telling three different stories and comparing and contrasting the similarities of several stories in each little segment and uh, i was left I was left sort of heartbroken because I talked to these folks. You know, you'd have a long conversation with folks, and you talk to them about these experiences, and and they have like a there's like a huge novel like waiting to be written about a lot of people who have had these contact experiences, and it just broke my heart to say, well, this person you know was driving their car, they saw an owl, and they saw a UFO. You know, next, and when there was so much more to the story. So the point of the second book, the follow-up book, is 19 there's 19 chapters each chapter reads like a short story. So there's 19 separate short stories, each each one where I tell these stories in the depth that I felt they need. And there's a kind of um, absurd quality to some of these stories. And I wanted to make sure to include all the details so I didn't have to worry about. In the end, I'm I'm so happy that I did this second book because it broke my heart to edit out so much. So I told a bunch of stories i felt like i told them very thoroughly and and uh really examined the the nuances and sort of the outlying strangeness of some of these experiences well um and can you tell us um some of the stories i sure can i got the book right here um there's a there's a few that i tell consistently let me um
0: yeah tell us one that you haven't Told
2: yeah, there's okay. There's one that I haven't told. There's a, there's a chapter called Owls and Healing, and the woman she's using her full name. Her name is Laura Bruno, and she is presently working as a healer. She does uh, like hands-on energy healing and Reiki and um, and intuitive healing work. And um, I know it sounds. On some level, where's Lee Spiegel? Is he going to chime in here? It sounds a little flaky. It sounds like it's right on that sort of more New Agey edge of the on that side of the conference room at the at the UFO conference where where uh, all those that you know. But this woman is a very grounded, trustworthy person. I'm I just I have full trust in her story. She had an experience where she was working in the corporate world and she was going to quit and go back to school to be a, a English professor. So she was. She knew she was going to go back to school. She was all ready to go back to school to get her, I think, her master's degree in um, English literature. And there was a voice, she had a consistent voice in her head that said, you know, this is not your path. You need to be doing energy work. You need to be doing energy healing work. And she said, how, what? what? And so there was, she woke up one morning and she f- felt that, she was basically told, you're going to get in a car accident today. And she said, okay, make it happen. And at lunchtime that day, she got into a severe car accident and had a traumatic brain injury that was so bad that she lost her ability to read. Oh. She couldn't read anymore. It, it, and so she um, did her convalescence at her parents' house. And she sat in the yard at her parents' house. And there was an owl that would sit with her every day. Her parents were off at work, and there was a day when her mom, who actually collected owls, and this is something, a very curious detail, that I have so many accounts where someone will say, yeah, I've got all these weird experiences, and oh yeah, my mom collected owls. We had owl knickknacks all over the house. That's not too uncommon to have owl knickknacks, but it's kind of weird how it shows up. So Laura's mother had owl knickknacks all over the house. So the owl was there as part of her healing. And her mom was there one morning, and on a Saturday and a weekend, and said, "Laura, that's an owl in the tree." She said, "Yeah, it's my friend. He's here every day." I said, "Well, why didn't you tell me?" And she was like, "I, I almost didn't believe it was real." So this owl hung out, in his, and when Laura left after she got better, or to enough to so where she could uh, start to live on her own again, um, she, uh, you know, the owl was gone. Now, her story goes on and on and on, and there's so many strange twists and turns and life changes and and also during the process of writing it it really felt like I befriended her and she was going through these life issues it took you know so the book project was about two years long so I met her at the beginning of it and I finished up her story at the end of it and it was one of those things where the story's all done and we're like oh more stuff is going on in her life We've got to add this new little bit here and a new little bit there but she had these amazing experiences and and the so here's a healer. She's working as a healer, which is very common. And that most of the people in the book are doing some sort of healing work, whether they're working as a Reiki therapist or whether they're working as an sh- out in a shaman, or whether they're working as a as a registered nurse in a in a hospital setting. Um, so so her story. That's there's a lot more to it than just that. But that was the, the vibe of it. That there's this this deeper layer that in these stories, uh, that. That needs to be told more fully. Right, I see. And as far as... Um... Oh, when show here. I'll just, like when to get to the UFO thing. Yes, she did have UFO experiences. So she was, she was, she was driving with her, with her, um, uh, I, I realized I was thinking as I was like, I got to get the UFO things. Yeah. So she was driving with her, she was a young girl. She was driving to go to a swim meet with her friends and her friend's parent was driving the car. And they were driving along and there was this, hovering silvery disc above a farmer's field, like right alongside the car. And they were, she says, it was remarkable. They were all so bland. They were like, oh, that's a UFO. (laughs) Just totally bland about it, which is one of those things. You get these odd reactions. Mm -hmm. So collectively, everyone in the car had this complete blank sensation about it. It was summertime. Her arm was hanging out of the car. And for reasons she doesn't understand, there was a freak lightning bolt strike and it struck right next to the car. She said it was six feet away from her hand, and she didn't have feeling in her hand for weeks. Wow. Now, this is the hand she now uses to do her energy work. So, uh,
0: Wow, bizarre, huh? Yes, very I, strange. And, and I have heard a number of times where people have had an encounter, and they kind of say the same thing. Like it's, uh, you know, people got bored with it. Uh, um, you know, there was a... Uh, someone in Russia that had this sighting they that looked like a washing machine spinning um, and it was above the houses in this, in this town and uh, people stared at it for like
2: hours and everyone just kind of went inside and forgot about it. You know, I mean, people get... Uh, yes, these odd reactions are, are part of it. Yeah, so if yeah. you don't get those odd reactions, I'm almost a little skeptical, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, what
0: do you... You said just a few minutes ago that... You think it would be more interesting if they're owls, but do you th- are people actually? Uh, I, I do have some questions actually, and there will be questions coming up in the chat room as well. Plus, we're going to take calls a little bit later on. But um, do people think that you know if they're being abducted, they see an owl too? I mean, are there experiences? I mean, there was that was quite a bit of what you wrote on, right?
2: Well, there's, I, you know, what I did in it, I, I, in the first book, I addressed the screen memory aspect. And anyone who's listening to a UFO podcast thing like this probably knows what a screen memory is. I'll try to. So, what's very common, and this is something I've heard many times, someone's uh, driving down a lonely road at night. And uh, they, I'll, here's one story. This is a great story. So a guy's driving down the road at night, and I met him at a UFO uh, abductee support group. He was in there, and he, he was, everyone was, this is at the, at the Laughlin conference when it was held in Laughlin. And he was very quiet and sort of sat in the corner and didn't do anything. And finally, at the end of the, t- you know, this is like kind of a two-hour, like, Alcoholics Anonymous meeting in a way. And at the end of it, he kind of timidly raises his hand and says, I have a question. Has anyone in the room here ever had any odd experiences with owls? And he about fell out of his chair when everyone in the room, including me raised their hand and and he and he told the story where he was driving down the road at night and there was a big owl standing on the side of the road. so he pulls right up to it and rolls his window down his driver's side window and looks right at it he's right next to it and so he says it's four foot tall he says he gets this really bad feeling and he says, "Oh, I got to get out of here and later he goes to take some photographs of a um of an owl's nest so he uh he he realizes, looking at these real owls, that that wasn't an owl I saw that night on the side of the road. And he went through hypnotic regression, and the only thing that came up in hypnosis was that the owl was wearing boots. Yeah. So, so the, the implication is, now what is very common, and, and I've you know, read the transcript and actually listened to recordings where the hypnotherapist will say you know, to someone like, well, describe the owl that's in the road. And the person will say, well, the owl has big black eyes, it's bald, it's got a little skinny body, it's got a shiny uniform on, and they're describing the sort of prototypical gray alien in the road rather than the owl. They remember an owl, they have the perception of seeing an owl, so somehow there's a projection into the mind of the observer. I don't understand how it happens or why it happens, but that is very common. It's not always owls, it's deer and raccoons and clowns show up a lot. Uh, So these... But the owl seems to be the the far and away in the lead as far as the one that's the most reported. So that would be the screen memory. So that mm-hmm. would so there's the implication that if there's a hidden abduction event and that's unremembered, some sort of amnesia, the same way they have the psychic power to, to zap the observer and make them see an owl, they can somehow create an amnesia environment where the, the person simply doesn't remember it. They get home and like, why am I home two hours late? That doesn't make any sense at all. The implication is that something else happened at the hands of these UFO occupants. Um, and honestly, that's the part that I, I kind of brushed over that there's this big, thick book. There's no people inside the craft, for the most part, no memories of being on a table and things like that that show up in either of these books. I was much more interested in the lives of these people and the the sort of very human experiences that, that, that they were confronted with. Um, now, the stranger thing would be the real owl. Right? Like, that's very common. I mean, people take pictures of them. I get them all the time. Like, you know, like, oh, I had this, you know, contact experience. And I, you know, like I was, I came home and there was an owl that just started living on my porch. Or that was living in my garage. And I get a lot of pictures of people who, you know, claim, tell me very, tell me their contact experiences. And then they follow up by sending, here's a picture I took. I was like four feet away from this owl. And it's a big owl right on the back porch. And they walked right up to it and took its picture in the dark. So... Weird. Wow. It's very strange. Yes, yeah, so I don't know quite what to make of it. Yeah, so owls showing up, that's on the simplest level, owls showing up at the home of someone who's having contact events is, in my opinion, normal. I mean, it's obviously not 100% of the people who have these experiences, but it's enough that there's a very strange side of this. Um,
0: now, we had uh, uh, some questions come in from a Carrie, who often sends questions to different um, guests we have. Do you know if there are different types of animals being reported, coinciding with UFO interactions, depending on what parts of the world?
2: Yeah, I can't say depending on what parts of the world. I suspect that you wouldn't see penguins in, you know, the <laughs> Sudan. But, uh, but uh, there's certainly a lot of animals. Yes, owls, deer are the first two animals on the list. And then raccoons and cats and squirrels actually show up a lot. People say, "Yeah, I saw a four-foot-tall squirrel looking in my window." That's That's not unusual. Um, So,
0: I do remember the thing about the deer. I've heard people talk about deer before.
2: Deer is very common, yeah. So deer is also very... So both owls and deer are both very mythic animals. They show up in folklore. They show up in mythology. So, you know, if you pull on that thread right? Like, what does it really mean? What's the spirit animal? of? What's the spirit meaning of a deer? What's the spirit meaning of an owl? You pull on that thread. It's, it's fruitful, right? It's like as an investigator, as a, as someone who's really like for myself, I'm like invested in trying to look at this from as many angles as I can possibly try to look at it. This has been exciting and fun work to, to, to go down those avenues where I don't think a MUFON investigator would look up the, you know spirit lore of the deer if someone said they saw a deer in the road just before a, a ufo fox actually show up too uh,
0: wow so do you actually um uh, do you actually uh talk with people from different countries as well
2: that have the same well, they, experience they have to speak english before I talk uh-huh. <laughs> so that limits me a little bit but yeah. yes i've talked to many many people a lot of the correspondence is over email but i certainly talk on the phone and talk on skype a lot with folks yeah. So yeah, Canada for sure, and I've talked to people a lot of people in England and Finland, um, Germany, uh, Brazil. When people contact
0: you, are they looking to resolve? Uh, uh, you know what? What's the reason they contact you uh, to begin with? To tell their story and feel better about it, or or get think- information? A little of both,
2: a little of all of that. Yeah, a mix of all of that. You know, I think, and this is something I, so here, the first book was my therapy, right? So that was my therapy session. It was a three-year therapy session. I would sit at the typewriter and, and go through my own personal therapy. That was I was retelling my own set of experiences within that first book. And at the end of it, it was successful. I came out the other end of that book a much calmer person, hmm. much more grounded, calmer person. I'm drinking a little coffee right now. You might not, you might, I might not sound calmer and grounded, but uh, and so the second book, I was really, really talking with folks in depth, and what happened was I heard my voice in these folks. I heard the person I was a few years ago. I I was talking to people who were very tense and very confused about their experiences. Uh, you know, basically, what I found at the end of the first book, as far as my own journey in a way, was. I'm never going to find a true answer. I have to be comfortable with just you know the questions that arise. And so I got to hear my own emotions mirrored back to me in, in talking to these other folks. And I feel like I played a role, I want to cautiously say, that with some of the folks I feel like I helped with some solace in their lives. Now, your question was... Um. I'm going to have to replay the tape. <laughs> oh no, no, whatever. I'll, 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 but so your question was was um, uh, oh the people who um, are having these experiences. You know why why are they contacting me? What's the con- yeah. and so yes, it's, it's partially. I think people just need to tell their story. So here's someone. So I'm the guy who collects owl stories. So when they say, um, listen, I had an owl story. I had an owl event. It took place like this, like this, like this, and I can say that's very interesting because. It's not exactly the same story I've heard, but it has the same flavor. And here's these other stories, and I can direct them to other stories that are similar. And um, and it's it's a relief for them, I think, to, to, to realize that they're not alone.
0: We have uh, someone in the chat room that said they have a story to tell. So hopefully that person will hang in there, and uh, in just a little while we'll take calls, and uh, they can call in. Uh, so if anyone is listening live right now and has an owl story and you want to talk about it feel free to call in I uh, will put that number up in a little bit also um, if you need to contact Mike um, at a later time I have your information here and how to contact you you have two different websites uh, one is hidden and Correct. then simply
2: simplyyourname.com Mike Clellan. Um, and that second one is is a, is sort of a promotion thing for the book, and it then leads you to the it's got it's got links to the blog, so yeah. So and there's also weekly messages on it
0: uh, between YouTube and my podcast. Someone's bound to hear this that have an owl
2: experience, and you encur- you're basically encouraging them to. Okay. oh yes I'm, I'm right up in big letters at the top of my blog I say I want to hear your owl stories I, I apologize I might not be able to get back to people right away but I do my best effort to get back to everyone and I fail sometimes so it's and this is the, I make a joke in a way where people say like how do you know this owl stuff is real you know like, and I'm like you know how I know it's real look at my email inbox <laughs> <You know? laughs> like nobody's making this stuff up like nobody could make this like the. Yeah, it's just too much. Basically, I'm getting one good story a day. Probably, let's oh, say, most goodness. days of the week I'm getting a good story. Most days of the week. So do the math. Wow, wow. 300, 300 excellent stories a year, and I've been doing this for eight years.
0: Maybe a good idea would be to open a, a chat board or, you know, like a forum. Have everyone oh, just post their Yeah, have everyone post their stories and just copy and paste, make your next book. <laughs> I put a little more yeah. a little more
2: sweat into it than just cut and paste, but yes.
0: Yeah, yeah do a little editing. But uh
2: so um
0: let's hear i uh, I love to hear these stories. Um let's let's uh you you say in the second book here you talked in great depth. Um is there anything you can share um that came out in some of these conversations? Well there's a
2: whole book of it, yeah. I mean so I can tell another story from the yeah. second book if you want. Sure. Um There's a woman named Brenda, and she had an experience. She contacted me. It's very interesting. She contacted me, I think, in 2011. We had a wonderful conversation, and she told me this story. And then, she, then I contacted her again under very synchronous circumstances where she found out that the, that, that, um, the book had been published, the, the, um, the, the uh, first book, and got a hold of me. And I had actually included a small snippet of her story, which I, which I was very—I fr- I just kind of in, in a single sentence, I told an event. So she had an experience. She's—it's uh, Halloween night. She gets in an argument with her boyfriend at the time. She uh, decides she's going to go to her sister's house, and she said, "I'm just going to walk to my sister's house." Middle of the night, it's after midnight. Her sister lives 12 miles away. Huh. I'm like. Why did you walk to your sister? Did you think? She said, I have no idea why I just started walking to my sister's house. This guy pulls up in a car. She described him as a big Scottish guy with a great big red beard, a great big guy with red hair and a red beard. And he said, get in the car. I'll take you out a while. And she was like, and she said, it is totally unlike me to get in the car. I would never do that. So she never would walk to her sister's house. She would never get in a person's car she just dropped off at her sister's house her sister isn't home so she sits on the back porch and then she eventually gets in and that night all these weird things happen there's lights in the room there's she she's so it's a very disturbing night for her she wakes up the next morning and she's sort of looking at the what she thinks is the sun setting and then the phone rings and boom it's full daylight so there's these odd details of that night including the strange thing so she gets up, and there's a great big owl. She says it's the size of a small child in a tree outside the big sliding glass door in, in the back of the house. You know, the big full-size glass window, and um, the glass door window. And there's an owl there, and she says that it's drooping down. The big branch that the owl is on is drooping down really low. The owl's so heavy. Mm-hmm. And her and her sister look and at it. And owls weigh They're,
0: nothing, by the way. They weigh very little, surprisingly, yes. Yeah, they have hollow bones. And I took care of a great horned owl you um, did many years ago that was wounded and i remember that's thing- why i've
2: never held an owl that's everyone who holds an owl says the same thing yeah very light yeah yeah so that i would took that into account when she said it was making the the branch droop hmm. so she watches this owl and then eventually it flies off so she has a ufo contact event she wakes up she first thing she sees in the morning when she gets out of bed is this owl and it sits there for the rest of the afternoon she has a bunch of other experiences that are just amazing. A handful of UFO sightings, which I chronicle, that are all very interesting, though they sound very typical to the kind of things that you would hear in a MUFON report, let's say. So, But I, I chronicled those, and very... Um, now, she pardon had an, me just... I'm
0: sorry for the interruption, but are you saying that she had these sightings, like, before or after?
2: Well, some before and some after, yeah. Oh, okay, uh-huh. Go ahead. Yeah. So, um, she had an amazing story. So, she... Was worked at these Renaissance festival things. And she basically said she ran away with the gypsies and started working the circuit of the Renaissance festivals where she would be in a costume and they would... Uh, um, she was at the time she was partners with a musician so they were uh traveling these fairs so they're at a house and and in texas during some downtime and it's a friend of a friend and everyone in the the renaissance circle is kind of like yo just stay at my house so there's this kind of everyone has a place to stay when you work in these things so they're staying at a friend's house and um the uh they're all sitting around the house and the one of the fellows that that was there, friend of a friend, kind of thing, walks into the room and he's carrying a sword. And I interrupt him like, "Wait, where, where do you, where do you get a sword?" And she goes, "Kind of like, well, when you work Renaissance festivals, that's that's swords around." Yeah. So, okay, fair enough. And he was very shy and very soft-spoken and very introverted. And he stood in the middle of the room and spoke. She said it was like James Earl Jones reciting Shakespeare. He spoke in like, and now the story of the white buffalo. And he told this long, complicated, mythic story of the, of the white buffalo and how there's these issues where mankind is in jeopardy and the white buffalo has to be attended to. And, and, it, just, it, and it was almost like nonsensical. And then at the end... Well, during the talk, this the, the someone in the house was watching the football game, so he's standing in the middle of the room with his sword, making this weird speech with a voice that wasn't his. She looks at the television set, and it's and it's them on the television. It's like live feed in the room on the television. She looks at the television. And it's 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 them in the room, hmm. and, and he finishes his story and he sets the sword down, and everyone in the room is quiet. No one says anything. <laughs> And then someone says, well, I'm going to go to bed. Me too. And they all get up and go to bed. And then the next morning, she gets up and says, what was that story about the white buffalo? What were you guys talking about? And they were like, I don't remember what story. White, we didn't say anything about the white buffalo. They were, to the fellow, he's like, I didn't say anything about a white buffalo. What are you, ta- what are you talking about? and then there's a knock at the door and it's the and she's it was the jehovah's witnesses she didn't actually talk to them that her boyfriend didn't and they were like hi can we come in and they're like um no it's not my house i can't let you in um well can we talk to you we just want to talk to you and said uh well no we can't talk to you and we i mean we, we can't let you in and she said well the real reason we're here is because someone saw a ufo hovering above your house last night and we wanted to talk to you about it and the one guy had no he didn't remember the White Buffalo story, so he just basically slammed the door in, her, in their face, and, the, and Brenda was all kind of like, like, what is going on? So, these are the, these are the types of events that are completely, on one level, absurd, mm-hmm. but that's what's arising out of these stories. So, um, Anne Streber, the wife of, um, the late wife of Whitley Streber, she had a, what she called her BS meter. Like, she could mm-hmm. tell if a story. If someone was telling the truth, and she said, if, it, if they tell me a story and it's not weird, I don't trust it. Uh So I was just like, you know, like this, I go pretty far out on a limb with some of the accounts that show up in this book, but I felt I needed to, because that's what these people were earnestly trying to tell me. And when Brenda told me this story, um, she told it to me twice, once in 2011 and once during the production of the book, um, it was the same story. So I have full confidence in what she shared. You know, it's funny.
0: I had a God, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Dean Eliotto. Um, it was someone I had on my show recently, and they were talking about a UFO report, and I'm getting the name wrong, I think, talking about a UFO report, and they said that the MUFON investigator just skipped right over a part because he thought it was silly and didn't mean anything, and it, it was like a bunny rabbit on the porch and, and dressed in plaid. Like, where did that come from? All of a sudden, that, that was, just showed up there. And he said no wait a minute that is the part of the story you got <laughs> to pay attention to So yeah, yeah that goes the along the same line you know the weirder it gets it's like you know there are some really weird accounts of uh that absolutely make no sense at all and I think some of those are some of the more interesting
2: ones Well that's the book is full of those that's what I was going for because I felt bad that I had to, to to weed out these these accounts and there's this there's this kind of Strange, loopy logic on how these all fit together. You know the synchronistic strangeness to some of these things. How they, how these stories all cojoin.
0: Yeah, I'd like to like to hear some more. Uh, there's another question that came in. Have any abductees you've interviewed stated that visions of owls
2: changed to actual visions of ETS at one time? That is one I can answer. Yes, there's a wonderful <laughs> friend of mine. Her name is Lucretia Hart. That's a pen name. She. She has a wonderful blog called At Spiral's End. Anyone listening right now, get on that blog. You'll it's it's ten novels of her experiences all stacked up in this in this site. So, I had a long conversation with her. She told me the this amazing owl story. She was nineteen years old. I think she's in her forties now. She was nineteen years old at the time. She was working at a summer camp for girls in the Pacific Northwest. And she wasn't, like, out in the deep in the woods. She was, like, between two cabins, and there was a little trail, and she kind of walked through a meadow, and she was kind of off on her own for a little bit before she got to the other cabins. And um, full daylight. And she knew she'd been having contact experiences, but they always happened at night. She never had anything strange happen during the day. So she's walking between these two cabins and, and in this little meadow, and she turns a corner, and there, next to the trail, is a gray alien standing there, full daylight. She looks at the gray alien, it looks at her, and she, she, she catches it. It's like there's this kind of like, oh, crap moment, like, like I'm busted. And she, she senses that, and then she hears like a sort of telepathic reverberation where this thing sends out like an energy wave that goes owl, 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 owl. owl. And the next thing she knows, she's looking at a four-foot-tall owl. Hmm. And this, this big owl turns and runs off into the woods. Now she actually said that it ran off into the woods and, and um it kind, of, <laughs> it kind of hovered. It kinda of like floated yeah. over the grass in a way and she she went in back and there was a big ditch that if it was actually running it would have had to drop down in the ditch and come up the other side, but that's not what she saw. She saw it kind of hover in a in a motion across the across the the um the field there. So yes, there's and I have another experience where someone uh saw, or another witness account where someone uh, saw a bright flash. They'd been having UFO contact experiences at their home. They saw a bright flash out in the front yard and they walked out onto the front porch and they were like, you know, what's going on? And they looked out, there was nothing out there. And then they looked to the side and right next to the porch, kind of near the house were four gray aliens, four skinny gray aliens. And they were looking at her and then poof, they just instantly turned into four deer. And she said, they walked backwards really eerie like they didn't they they were, had their eyes locked on her and they walked backwards these four deer so yeah there's a couple of there's several accounts where people watch these these uh well like like the uh the psychic mojo didn't work quite right and they they got kind of messed messed up so <laughs> they got busted so to speak yeah
0: all right that's it for the free part of the show thank you so much for listening um next week we have ellie Maloney. She'll be on. She has written an interesting book of fiction, but uh, has insight on in the UFO topic. She'll be with us. And so thanks so much for listening. And remember, you can always listen for free um, every Wednesday night at 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on uh, podcastufo.com or YouTube. And also you can listen over at the Dark Matter Digital Network on Thursdays. From 10 to midnight Eastern Standard Time. And thanks so much. And I want to thank the people that helped out with the show. Uh, Lee Spiegel for helping out with UFO updates. Our guest, Mike Clellan, uh show producer, Evan. And, uh, and Peggy for helping out with the Facebook page. Remember to keep your eyes to the sky. And we'll see you next week.